0: You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at
1: chargebacks911.com.
2: This episode is a replay of a webinar entitled, Airline and Travel Industry Chargebacks, Global Survey Results. features experts from Chargebacks 911 and airline information.
3: Hello, everyone. I'm Chris from AI Events, Airline Information. Welcome to our webinar with Chargebacks 911. Uh, before I pass it over to Harlan and G-Min from uh, Chargebacks, uh, I would just like to give a couple housekeeping items. One is um, if you have any trouble viewing a session, log out and come back to go to. And uh, second, uh, there's a questions box in the GoTo uh, webinar control panel. Please type in your questions. We'll get to get to them at the end. And we have a special guest to help me uh, field the questions. So we'll introduce her later. But uh, with that, I will turn off my camera and pass it over to Harlan. So uh, good, good morning, Harlan. Over to you.
0: Good morning. Glad to see you, Chris, and uh, welcome everybody to this uh, webinar on fraud and chargebacks in our beloved travel industry. We're glad to have you here. Uh, you can see my uh, my mug up there and you can scan that QR code for more information. I want to uh, move on to the next slide with uh, my lovely colleague, Jamin. Hello, Jamen.
1: Hi, evening, everyone. Greetings from Singapore and thank you for joining us today. Looking forward to share more later on.
0: Yes, indeed. So it's evening there. In fact, I'd say it's really nighttime. It's not really evening, right? So you're uh, you should be maybe in bed.
1: After this, <laughs> it's eleven. But but you know, it's always fun to to get started and having a mon- a morning with the folks there, sharing more about the tips and yourself. I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm energized.
0: Oh, That's great. And we're really appreciative of you staying up late for this. Now, look, here's the topic of the day, fraud and chargebacks in travel. So how travel merchants can fast track the road to recovery in a post-COVID market? We're not, I mean, we're kind of not in post-COVID, really. I mean, this new Omicron variant and all that, how's that impacting you in Singapore?
1: I see an improvement. You know, this Omnicron, it it doesn't seem to affect the momentum that we are moving towards a post-COVID situation. Singapore has fast-tracked to VTL lanes, where it's a uh, we get to travel without having to quarantine. It's way easier now. It's year-end, people are all starting to resume activities again. So, so yes, I think it's a positive sign that we are seeing in terms of recovery absolutely.
0: yourself. Uh, Uh, Same, same thing here. We're in the United States. We're we're uh, able to go pretty much anywhere. We have to wear masks on the on the airplanes and all that. But uh, there, there are some signs there might be additional restrictions. California just you know, uh mandated mass inside. So so there's a lot going on. But what we know is that so much of fraud and chargebacks is not related to COVID. It's now related to other things. So let let's talk about some of the some of the uh sort of key insights we got from this survey. By the way, this survey was conducted with over a hundred travel merchants, right? And I think about uh, 57% of those merchants were airlines, and uh, then I think 26 were uh, hospitality or or uh, hotels. So those kinds of providers, and then travel agents, and OTAs, and all that made up the rest. What what do you think about that, from just from the the mix of people who responded to this to this uh, survey, Jim?
1: I think definitely when conducting a survey, it has to be holistic. You need to consider all kinds of players in a travel and aviation scene. So if we talk about airlines, if you talk about hotels, if you even go and interview loyalty program members who are part of this entire ecosystem, it definitely makes sense. So I think the results will show what most of them think about what the survey has been asking and we will uncover further To see whether it matches what we found out and the reality
0: of the statistics. Ah, so there's a perception and then there's the reality, right? Yep, definitely.
1: That's
0: that's what we want to get to today is we want to understand the perception because the survey is really about how how does this affect me? What is my view of the world? What has been my experience as a travel provider? Either a direct merchant like an airline or a hotel, or a an agency that's 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 uh, you know facilitating the transaction. So let's uh-huh. let's go through some of the key insights from the survey, and and we'll trade off on this. But uh, let's just start with the first one, and then we're going to deep di- do a deep dive on each one of these. So nearly half of travel merchants estimate chargebacks are more common when booking bookings are made directly, hmm. Although consumers are increasingly aware of their rights, they're less likely to request chargebacks for indirect bookings. That's an interesting perception. All right, what's the next one?
1: The next one is, airline and travel merchants in particular respond to a higher number of chargebacks as they have access to more direct data to help them with the representative process. As a result, they have a much higher chance of reversing chargebacks okay hmm. that's, that's a good question as well.
0: Yes, it is and and we're going to get into this more, but you know for uh, third party providers, not the direct merchants themselves, uh, for example, an ota has has two models that they can use for processing. Uh, a, a reservation or a booking or whatever that is. One is the agency model, right? So that's where they're just simply making a reservation with the travel provider or supplier, I should say. And then there's the merchant model. And uh, recently, I think it was about a year ago, Booking.com. I think they went pretty really solidly on the merchant model. And more and more companies that do some sort of, uh, you know, sort of booking that are not the travel providers are moving more towards the merchant model. So we'll get into that, but it's an interesting uh, perception. Airline and travel merchants wanna see greater industry collaboration, including integrated technology systems and data sharing, pooling knowledge and resources to identify evolving fraud and chargeback methods. This is gonna help everyone. And that's the perception. You came from NSA, right? So. You were, uh, you were with a, a, a third-party fraud uh, provider where you uh, kind of defeated the fraud thing. What do you think of that one?
1: I think when it comes to fraud, you know, definitely as a vendor, you would like to see more cohesion in terms of data sharing because it helps, right? If, if we are working on a similar merchant today, we would wish that we have firsthand knowledge hey, there's a red flag on this because of potential activities, or we don't have to repeat the same thing that people felt previously. Um, but of course it leads to a lot of questions that people are concerned about, which is how do you protect my data? You know, if, if I share the data like that, is it going to have a data leak? Um, do people have access to the business model? So I think these are questions that need to be addressed very carefully, but with the greater goal, I, I believe that having an industry collaboration might lead to greater benefits.
0: Uh for sure and data sharing is tough in any case. Uh not just from a privacy perspective but also travel merchants are very concerned that uh their customers stay loyal to them and I'll I'll say it that way, right? So that that's an important. Yep. Point. Finally merchants great using great point. Yeah. Merchants using third-party chargeback management solutions cite clear benefits such as revenue recovery, overall cost savings, and reduced chargeback rates. This makes a big difference to their bottom line. We're going to go into that a little bit. And and look, we're uh, just full disclosure in case you didn't realize it, in case the audience didn't realize it, we are a third-party char- chargeback management solution. But but let me make something clear here. Our objective from The outset of 10 years of managing chargebacks has always been to provide the best, the best options for our merchants. Sometimes that means telling them we can't help them for whatever reason. And so uh, honestly, it's important to understand that there are clear benefits to that and there may be good reasons to keep it in-house. Now we're going to get into it. Are you ready? Yes. All right. We are seeing a high increase of non-fraud chargebacks. I think that the popularization of credit, using credit cards as payment method, is increasing the knowledge of the public about chargebacks procedures. That was from a survey respondent. I think that's so true that more and more consumers, cardholders, Understand they can use their banks yep. to accomplish certain purposes, right? Okay, yeah. Now, first insight nearly half travel merchants estimate chargebacks are more common when bookings are made directly. What do you think of this? Is this a perception that's true or is it false?
1: What about the polls first? What did the audience say? What do you what? ah I see you have some statistics there. Well, let's let's look at the statistics first. I see that 47% of respondents estimate that chargebacks are more common when booked directly with merchants, whereas 28% of respondents say that chargebacks are equally common regardless of channel. And only 16% of respondents said that chargebacks were more common when booked through a travel agency. So, Um, Hanan, your question was?
0: My question is, is this true or is this false?
1: I would go for false.
0: I think that's absolutely the right answer, and the reason for the answer is very, very simple. We talked a little bit early on about the difference between the, 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 the agency uh, the agency method of, uh, of making bookings with the direct supplier being the one processing the payment. And then there's the merchant the merchant method or the merchant uh, use case where the third party provider, in, for example, actually processes the payment. Why is that important in terms of, of both, both fraud and chargebacks, but chargebacks in particular?
1: I think a lot of people have the misconception that if they book directly with an airline or travel hotel, for example, um, if they are not happy with the service, they don't get the kind of quality they want, then they go for a chargeback. And if it's through a third party or travel agency, they don't do that. Uh, But in fact, you know, with chargebacks 911, we have seen and, and it's a reality that consumers these days, they are driven by price point. Ease of comparison, you know, easily go to third party sites. They show you hotel A A to Z, all of which in one platform and you can make quick comparisons. So all of these are met through third party sites and it encourages high demands for indirect bookings on third party sites. And when consumers book through these sites. Um, we have also seen examples where if they found out that they're not able to use or earn points through their loyalty programs, they may end up turning to direct bookings and file chargebacks on their indirect bookings to recover their revenue. So most third party sites, they also outsource their customer service departments, which can make the customer service experience poor or hard for consumers to make changes in their reservations. So all these factors can actually add to Indirect bookings being more prone to subjected to high chargebacks, which is why my answer is false, because irregardless of which is the merchant of record, the number of chargebacks remains equally high for both sides.
0: Yeah, I would I would agree 100% with that. And and I would also say that what what's amazing about third party providers often is that, they are experts at marketing. You kind of alluded to this, right? Like they they know how to build offers so well, and they're just they're just out there doing this thing. And and, and especially when they're doing the merchant model, the the model where they're processing the payment, they're they're completing everything uh, across the board, and then they're just delivering the customer say to a hotel. Um, and and my wife loves. I'll say at Priceline, she loves to get on Priceline and just book our hotel. She just wants to be done with it and paid for and all that. Well, that in and of itself is an opportunity for a chargeback because the more marketing, the more better you are at it, all that kind of thing, yes, you're gonna get a lot more transactions, but you're also gonna have people, when they're dissatisfied and they want a refund, they're gonna go not to the supplier, because guess what, when they call their bank, one who processed the payment is, in fact, where the chargeback is going to lie. Because it's not really the, the consumer's choice as to who gets the chargeback. It's specifically yeah. who processed the payment, right? Yeah. Now, what about fraud? How does how does this relate to to chargebacks that are specific around fraud? Are, do you have any thoughts about that?
1: Not friendly. Yes. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, as, as I was mentioning, consumers these days, they are driven by price point, ease of comparison. There's loads of activities going online as well. People know the system. People know that when a chargeback happens, it is the owners of the merchant to prove that the chargeback, to prove the validity of the transaction, right? Otherwise, they will just have to bear the cost of a chargeback and the merchant easily wins the money back because chargebacks usually favors the consumers. So I think with that in mind, and people that have actually tried to file chargebacks before learned that, hey, actually it's pretty easy um, if I get even fraudsters which get ease of data leaks nowadays online. There are increasing amounts of fraud, criminal fraud happening, um, which lead to more and more people filing for chargebacks. And in fact, you know, with loyalty programs, I mean just digressing a little. With hotels and airlines that focus a lot on loyalty programs and with consumers, I mean, the customers of loyalty programs not having tight security on their own loyalty programs, fraudsters can easily go onto these platforms to steal the passwords to sell the loyalty programs, um, which eventually can lead to big chargebacks problems as well. So I think with more increment in such activities, definitely fraud is closely linked to um, chargebacks. And when I say fraud, I think it includes friendly fraud, which is consumers that are aware and are owners of their own credit card. And also criminal fraud, where consumers that are using fraudulent credit card to make transactions.
0: Yep. Awesome. That is fantastic. All right. Let's go to the next slide here and the next key insight. Your turn. A
1: question? Yeah, that's a question for you, Holland. So you are a travel expert, right? Your family, they book tickets. You yourself have been in travel space for a long time and you've met with loads of travel merchants, loads of travel customers as well. So this question is for you. Airline and travel merchants are more likely to respond to chargebacks if the reservation is made directly with them rather than through a travel agency. And this is because they have access to first-hand evidence to help with their response. Would you, what would you think of this?
0: So, so this is a really interesting question, right? So you can see the graph here, right? The, the perception is that the sales channel does not impact chargeback, response rates, now not chargeback rates, but how we respond to them, right? It doesn't, it, it's so interesting that it has no impact on that at all. Slightly below that at 31%, right? It's slightly less likely to respond to a chargeback if the reservation is booked to a travel agency. Now there's a lot of sort of industry complexity here, for example, uh, in the, in the airline uh, world, uh, the airlines, at least to some extent, have the option, right, the option of not fighting a chargeback, right, that has come through a travel agent, but then issuing an agency debit memo. It's a, it's, it, it's really a form of chargeback that is is uh, pretty specific to the airlines, right. And i don't remember how many different reasons there are but, but most adms are kind of for uh things like fair differences right like if the agent charged uh 435.85 and it was actually 440.85 then then that agency debit memo can correct that right they can get their money back and all that It's interesting to note that the chargebacks only represent about 9%, according to ARC, a few years ago, uh, the Airline Reporting Corporation, only represent about 9% of all agency debit memos. The difference, though, and this is important, is that that 9%, in terms of the number of debit memos actually goes up to 42%, I think it was, or maybe it was 47% of the total dollar value or monetary value of that thing. So so look, here's my point, is that the airlines have another option. If they don't fight it or if they lose it, they can actually go back to the agency. So in reality, right, in reality, can impact it, right? I will tell you that the direct supplier has most of the information uh, through maybe their GDS or you know some other connection that they have. Uh, but it's more difficult to get uh data on a particular uh customer or card holder from, from an OTA, for example. So uh-huh. the question is true or false
1: we're going to what do you...
0: hardly true anyway because there's a perception that if it was booked through a travel agent i might be able to just issue a debit memo so it it could affect the uh, response rates from the travel provider you have thoughts on that
1: Yeah, I think you've provided a great amount of details and points, but I also think that one very important factor for a merchant to win a chargeback, you know, is to provide accurate, compelling evidence to justify the legitimacy of a transaction. And because of this, it is very important for merchants to maintain accurate and detailed records from the very beginning. Now these carefully documented transactions are very crucial for winning a chargeback dispute. And I think it also answers to the question because if this is the case, then working through a third party agent may not give the airlines or hotels direct access or transparency into all these data in the the beginning, right? which makes it difficult for them to put compelling records um, or even invoices, evidence of communication so if they realize that because of this, they don't get to win a chargeback as easily, that may deter them from even wanting to fight the chargebacks and pursue a debit memo instead. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think that's all good. Hey, I think we should have a poll question here. What do you think? I think we should ask the audience, and these are for the direct travel suppliers, right, the direct travel suppliers. I want to know, inquiring minds want to know, if you get a chargeback today, are you more likely or less likely? And this is a whole different audience than we're on the original survey. Are you more likely to respond or less likely to respond? And as a follow-on, if you want to put in there, I'm less likely to respond and I'm an airline because I use agents and debit memos. Uh, that would be, that would be even better information. So maybe we'll get some insight on that, uh, at the end of the. Harlan, uh-huh. <laughs> hold on. Mike.
3: I got a program in this one. I, I don't have that one.
0: <laughs> I know. Have. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm improvising
3: now. <laughs> I can do that. I can do it. Let me put it in. So, um, what, what I'll do this for you, but what, what is the question? So uh, the, are you more likely to respond or less likely to respond to a, uh, through a travel
0: agency? So, so the question is for direct travel suppliers, that would be airlines, hotels, car rental agency, if you're a car rental agency, are you more likely or less likely to respond to a chargeback that comes from a third party booking source? Uh, OTA, uh, regular travel agency, that, that kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Give me a minute. Keep
3: talking and I'll try to program this in. So we'll see what's okay. going on. All right. We'll right. I
0: threw you a curveball. You're a good sport, man. <laughs> okay. All right. What's next? This, this is mine, right? Airline and travel merchants want to see greater industry collaboration. We kind of touched on that a little bit. So. Mm-hmm. Tell me, Jamin, what is your thinking more around this specific to data sharing? Because you you, you mentioned that, and I and I just I just want to I just want to get your 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 sense of how people feel about that. Let, let's look at the, the question first and the the responses.
1: Do you think greater system collaboration could improve chargeback and refund processes? And overwhelmingly, 62% of respondents said they want to see greater platform and system collaboration in this area. And just 8% of merchants were against greater collaboration, which is a mystifying response, but also because it concerns ease of integration, cost, and also fear of rights to communicate from other solution providers yeah it goes back to your point Harlan just now where you say competitors um, you want to have the data to yourself because you want to keep a loyalty program for for your customers yeah I think it's a great question but it's very realistic and relevant question in in our generation today Um, specifically as we're moving into a more data savvy economy I would say collaboration is actually key to successful fraud prevention. The ideal role and big data predictive analytics have led to higher success rates in terms of being able to identify fraudulent transactions, helping merchants gain an improved understanding of fraudulent behaviors. You know, in fact, with Chargebacks 911 we have also started being more collaborative with front end fraud vendors in the sense we actually feed post transaction chargebacks data to the merchants pre-fraud filters because we want to enhance the entire payments um barrier, right? We want to increase the protection from front to back end. So I think this is this has helped merchants a lot. And I think by pulling data points together to shed more light on investigations, suspicious transactions, organizations can actually be more effective
2: in combating
1: the most high risk or destructive type of fraud. Because, you know, as a third-party vendor, I don't want to be doing the same thing that another vendor might have done before and realized and explored before. But because this data was not possible to me, I have to redo it all over again. Um, and of course, I think, you know, to answer the question, is, if a merchant is, or rather if vendors are sensitive over data sharing, hey, this is not about sharing the entire data, right? It's about sharing suspicious data, which can help combat fraud on a bigger scale. Yep. I'm actually sharing this because I, I did a bit of a research and I found that, you know, there was a LexisNexis study that conducted and it pointed to the fact that mitigation professionals from all industries are actually embracing this type of solution. So the percentage of those who responded on this study that they would highly consider contributing the outcomes of fraud cases to a centralized solution jumped from 44% in 2017 to 52% this year. So I think it, 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 speaks a lot for itself. What do you Absol- think, Harlan?
0: Absolutely. That that's great stuff. Oh, Chris, you popped uh, in here. About all the,
3: I, and by the way, I, I heard some, like, I'm, I'm a big fan of the LexisNexis cyber cybersecurity report. So uh, everyone can Google that. I, I, it, it's great. It comes out, I think, like twice a year or something. It's very good. So a big fan of that one. And let's hope I, uh, I programmed the the poll correctly. was the fir- first in the history of uh, a live poll that I was programming as it went on. Did I did I get it right, Harlan? Travel no, Merchants
0: Are you respond to third party third from uh, respond to chargebacks initiated well, by third party providers like you OTAs, no. travel agents, that kind. of thing. It so more or less sense. I got it right.
3: So if everyone, some of the people listen on second screen, come over to the first screen and and vote. So um, are you more likely to respond, less likely to respond, or don't know? So that um, you good. want to just explain it again one more time, so, uh Harlan, so we make sure people are voting on the uh, on the right poll.
0: Absolutely. So for direct or uh, uh, direct. Travel suppliers that would be airlines, hotels, car uh, car rental companies like Avis, Budget Group, any of those types of suppliers. If you get a chargeback, are you more or less likely to respond to a booking that comes from a third-party provider like an OTA? Uh, could be priceline Expedia any of the those kind of things could be could be uh, a regular uh, travel agency et cetera so that that 's really the poll
3: okay so um yeah most of our people have voted so i 'll share the results with you so um it, you can see forty two percent more twenty three percent less and thirty five percent don 't know so i i, I don 't know if that 's in line with the results or what you expected, but there 's the results there.
0: It's very yeah. much in line with with the results. I think that thirty one percent was the highest, more likely, and I, I can't see the the uh, the, the poll, but uh, and then it was uh, thirty. So,
3: so 30. it's more more. This one is more forty two, less twenty three, don't know thirty five.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty well in line, I would say.
3: Yeah. Okay. So now, now they can see us again. I'll turn off my camera, and uh, if you have any more on the spot polls, just let me know. I'll program them in, and we'll do a uh, live polling.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, I apologize for pulling that, that, that fast one on you. So, okay, so, so, uh, great stuff on the industry collaboration, and and by the way, thanks everyone for uh, participating in this. Uh, sort of improvised poll really appreciate it good good information there by the um, way
3: we, we did get a comment I'll read to you and um, they said that there should be a third uh, third option that you respond to everything regardless
0: Ah, uh, that you know what great great point um, because in, in reality uh, your dispute rate that's the rate at which you respond to chargebacks has a direct impact upon your actual net win rates someday chris will do another thing on on chargeback dispute and win rates all right it's a it's a really fascinating topic but uh good good points so okay so collaboration i just want to say one thing about collaboration regulatory forces right um uh and and thinking about the eu for example with gdpr right they make it very uncomfortable and rightly so to share any data with any any sort of data that contains PII personally identifiable information very very uncomfortable and you get fined and all that kind of stuff so what is what is the solution here I think part of the solution is uh, working with third-party providers we're one of those for example we have consortium data that is anonymized right that we use through our dispute intelligence tool right we have this anonymized data that's consortium data that can inform the travel merchant right uh but in addition to that you you also have incredible uh i'll call them um uh industry players like well AI for example airline information who host events where fraud is discussed fraud trends are uncovered and exposed i mean these are tremendous things the global fraud summit with uh with uh, IOTA that's a great event where and you know it hasn't it hasn't taken place for a for since the pandemic but the global fraud summit is a great place if you're if you're a travel provider and you want to know you go to global fraud summit, right so it's imposing right? so the industry is stepping up here and they are creating opportunities to share data in a in a safe non uh you know sort of exposing way so i'm very very uh happy with that so let's look at this is this A dream or a reality, Jammin.
1: I think it's a dream soon to come true.
0: A dream becoming true. (laughs) I love that because in reality, yes, I agree, It's, it's not.
1: I mean, yeah, the reality is we are still not entirely there, but definitely we are seeing signs of it. So it's a great improvement.
0: Yeah, great improvement. And I think, uh, and, and I just want to say another thing, and this is not a commercial, but but if you choose a chargeback management firm and um, we, we have an agnostic approach to fraud providers. In other words, we will share negative chargeback data, right, with, with your fraud provider, whether that's your internal tool, whether it's a third party provider, uh, Whatever that is, and again, it's it's a it's it's a secure process. It's 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 safe, but negative chargeback data can inform the way you receive, analyze, and decide or make decisioning uh, processes with your with your chargebacks that come in. So, all right, great. Last one. Last
1: this. one for you, Holler. So merchants using third-party chargeback management solutions cite clear benefits such as revenue recovery, overall cost savings, and reduced chargeback rates. This makes a big difference to their bottom line. Okay, so what's the question?
0: So of- the uh, so is this a reality? This is this is a great this is a great thing. So. So the the perception here is that using a third party chargeback management solution has clear benefits. Mhm. That's the perception. Now now what does the what do the uh survey results show? Over 87% of respondents said that they were currently managing chargebacks in-house. Hmm,
1: interesting. <laughs> That's very true.
0: While only 10% were using third party management solutions. So, so I I think this is a, this is a very, very interesting uh, problem. I think it's changed a little bit with the pandemic, right? Um,
1: So, Harlan, my question to you is, is this a good idea or is this a bad idea?
0: So, that is uh, a really interesting thing. And I'm gonna answer that in a minute. Let's look at the data here though, of those that you respond to. So now remember eighty 87% we're currently doing it in house, right? Of those chargebacks that you respond to approximately what per- percent are reversed? Well, the largest percentage, right? Is really really interesting here, 26 to 50 percent. That's uh, like I don't know something around what 30, 29 percent, right? So, so even those people who are responding to their their chargebacks, right, and they're they're doing it as effectively as they can, they're still getting really A fairly low reversal rate Mm -hmm. so so my my thought here is that we said that the survey respondents said that there's clear benefits revenue recovery overall cost savings and reduced chargeback rates so is it a good idea to do it on your own this is your question right or is it a bad idea right and for me, I think it's a good idea until it's a bad idea. <laughs> and 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 what I mean by that, frankly, is, look, doing it on your own, doing it on your own, if you're getting high win rates on a high number of disputed cases, Continuing to do it on your own is is something you should do, right? So what do I mean by that? We talked a little bit about dispute rate as opposed to uh, the, the net win rate. So when when we think about how you calculate a dispute rate, you start or a, a win rate, you start with how many disputes you are how many chargebacks you actually challenge, right? So if you have a hundred chargebacks and you dispute only 50% of them, right? But you win 70% of that 50%, that's 35% win rate, right? Kind of okay. But then if you add in the inevitable second cycle cases, which would lead to arbitration, which I, I will tell you that travel agents that, or the travel providers rather that I know they have a high uh they have a high average order value or average ticket value transaction value so more cases are going to go to second cycle or arbitration than not so if you have a thirty five percent win rate and you lose twenty percent of those to second cycle right you're talking about uh being in the 20% win rate, right? So so it's super important to remember that it's really all about how many you dispute, the the evidence that you give for the the case, you have all the evidence, do you know how to package it up? Do you know how to communicate and tell the story? And and once you do that, are you getting the response rates that you think are important? important and helpful. And I'm sorry, I moved to the next slide. I'm, I'm very happy with this little button here. So uh, what do you think of that?
1: I I wanted to say I agree because when we talk with merchants, I realize that there is always this illusion of cost saving. So merchants, they often have the illusion that if they keep the management of chargebacks and for in-house, that would mean higher cost savings. But however, merchants actually neglect to consider the amount of resources in terms of manpower, time allocated to handle these. And also the eventual win rates, which as to your point, you know, you're mentioning that merchants mostly don't have the bandwidth to manage all the entire chargebacks. So they do selective disputes. And out of the selective disputes, They don't also track how many of those eventually become second cycle chargebacks, which greatly reduce their efforts of win rate, even though they might have kept it in-house and thought that they are saving money. Because when we speak, you know, I realize, Harlem. when we speak with merchants, we often find out that merchants, first of all, they don't store much of the essential data required to win a chargeback, which makes it difficult for them to effectively respond to 100% of chargebacks in the first place. And that aside, merchants also, they usually don't have a specialized or dedicated team that focuses on chargebacks or risk itself. Because such responsibilities would usually be assigned to the finance team, which are often swarmed with billing or accounting aspects of the business to really focus on chargebacks. Yeah, so I think yeah. all of these when added up together... Merchants that I'm not sparing any time or effort to keep updated on latest fraud trends and rules, which eventually leads to them suffering from really low win rates despite you know the efforts to maintain touchbacks in house. Yeah,
0: one hundred percent. I want to point out a couple of things. The 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 problem with um, managing it in house is you're kind of in this silo, right? And what about the rule changes that happen every year on chargebacks? I remember in 2019, I believe it was, there were 147 rule changes, including Visa, MasterCard, American Express, all that, but also regulatory changes like, uh, SCA, I think came into, to, uh, play. That's uh, strong customer authentication. And if you cannot keep up with the rules, you will, fall down when it comes to, to uh, responding to your chargebacks. Because if the rule is changed for evidence, right, compelling evidence for 10.4, for example, uh, Visa 10.4, then what is going to happen when you respond? If you don't supply the the new evidence, you're going to lose that case. So you have to be a compliance specialist, right? You have to understand fraud. You have to know all of these Regulatory things like SCA, am I, you know, I'm, am I one leg into Europe and I'm, you know, with the transaction in the U.S. and this and that and the other. There's, a, there's such a myriad of things that happen when it comes to chargebacks, and fraud, that you better be an expert. You better have experts on your team, right, who know the rules, know how to, to respond, or you should hire one. Right. That goes back to our third party thing. And this is not a a commercial. This is just a reality. If you if you can't become an expert or don't have an expert, you can rely on. Keep up with this. You should hire one. All right. Now, the big revelation. Yes. what is the big revelation. Well, let's talk about it a little bit. Friendly fraud, what is friendly fraud? You know, we hear a lot about that, but look at this chart here and tell me what you think. What percent of your chargebacks would you estimate are caused by friendly fraud? Give give me your thoughts on that, Shimin.
1: Let's see here. What percent of your chargebacks would you estimate are caused by friendly fraud? And the polls have suggested that, more than close to 50% of merchants think that just only 0 to 10% of chargebacks are caused by friendly fraud. And less than 10% of them think that more than 80% of them are caused by friendly fraud. Well, that's that's a very surprising finding. And I, well, I shouldn't be surprised, right? Because as I mentioned, merchants, they have the illusion of cost savings sometimes, you know, without real statistics, it can blind you in a way of what's really happening with chargebacks as well. So I think education for, for this kind of conversation is definitely essential. Um, and you know what, Harlan, the reality is 50 to 80% of chargebacks are actually caused by friendly fraud. So, yeah, I think, you know, now that brings us to a great point, which is the revelation. So just a bit of statistics sharing, more than 40% of increment in chargebacks have been noticed over the past three years, particularly in the last couple of years driven by COVID and high online activities. Close to 70% of chargebacks are due to friendly fraud. Yes, we can talk more about this later on. And more than 80% of customers admit to filing a chargeback simply out of convenience But I... I would have to agree because, you know, I've encountered this before. I purchased stuff online. The merchant was so hard to get to. It was an yeah. overseas website. I just went to the bank street.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and
1: this,
0: Yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
1: Now, I was just going to say the last part is 50% of the consumers who actually did it, admit that they will do it again within the next 60 days i don't know if the 60 days is that accurate but for myself when i saw how easy it was to get my money back from the bank yeah i i'm actually encouraged as a consumer to just go to the bank what do you think
0: Uh, i i think this is all true so we look at the world in three buckets right there's there's uh there's three reasons for chargebacks there's dozens of recent codes, but there's really three reasons fraud that would be you know true criminal fraud account takeovers that sort of thing that that's one bucket there's merchant caused chargebacks now what do i mean by that that's merchant error right you're doing something that's causing your company to receive more chargebacks might be a service related issue could be could be uh you know you're sending the wrong product or you know you're giving the 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 wrong seat to the to the passenger uh the hotel room was uh dirty i mean there's there's service related issues those could be what we call merchant error chargebacks and then finally this bigger bucket of friendly fraud or first party fraud um there's there is customer error in there and there's some bank in error in there. But look, I, I think if you're going to be uh, handling your chargebacks, you've got to remember that customer expectations can lead to uh, 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 using the bank right as a refund tool, right? Instead of calling the merchant. I think the I think the statistic is 16% of cardholders call. The merchant first, sixteen percent call the merchant first to get a refund. Eighty-four percent call their bank first. That's a that's a huge deal right there, right? Um, buyer's remorse. Uh, I first class to Europe. No, I didn't do this, but let's say that I bought a ticket for first class to Europe. It cost me fifteen thousand dollars, and I get home and I think I don't have fifteen dollars, fifteen thousand dollars to pay for this. Buyer's remorse is a big thing right so so there's a lot of these things that we think about that we're like i don't know that's friendly fraud even though it's you know something different so here's the stats on criminal fraud zero to thirty percent is uh really when a customer's information is stolen uh merchant error 10 to 40 percent and then in you know these fluctuate depending upon the merchant and then friendly fraud we see most even reason codes that come in as fraudulent they are not that indeed okay
1: yes i I wanted to say you know just before you close it i i think that with that statistics that you shared is, is a very good sign for merchants that are struggling with chargebacks to realize that friendly fraud is the greatest part of the area where you can recover your revenue. So yeah. if you focus on this 50 to 80 percent, essentially, it's a huge part of the chargebacks you receive. Reasons that different customers can always give to the bank may be the same. It's always fraud. But if you look into the data, if you look into... merchant record that you you, you keep of your customers, you will realize that, hey, this may be a repeat customer or this customer has not recognized the transaction, maybe because of the code of the receipt, you know, it could be my merchant error, but it could be resolved if I were to manage all these in a more proper manner. So I think it's a good takeaway for merchants out there to realize that actually it's more the bulk of the chargebacks that are contributed by friendly fraud. And with that in mind, you do not have to worry. With proper measures in place, these revenue can be greatly recovered.
0: Yep, I and yeah, I could not have said it to myself. It, it's been great to talk with you. Uh, I know it's late there, Chris. Take us out yeah. of this.
3: And I Thank also have a surprise for—I have a surprise for, for you—a surprise to help me uh, ask a couple of questions. We have some questions from the audience, and uh, Sandra from Microsoft. Uh, I, I'm surprising you with Sandra from Microsoft. So, uh, can you turn on your ear? So nice to see you, Sandra. How are you? Um, so I know you're, you're a merchant and, uh, um, and uh, uh, a provider, and you're moving into the travel space heavily. You're partnered with Chargebacks 911, so I thought uh, you, you know more about fraud than me, so why don't you – you, what, what were your impressions? Did you have any questions for, for, for uh, Harlan and Jamin?
2: You know, just some observations. Uh, you mentioned that, that people were asking for technology solutions to talk to one another for that data sharing. Um, it, it's really important to have that industry collaboration. And I think that from, from Microsoft's perspective, you know, we're a merchant, we're a provider of fraud technology, and partnering with people like Chargebacks 911 gives that collaboration approach. So it, it's really important for people to look at their systems, look at what they're doing today, and kind of get into the, the 22nd century, if you will. You know, the, the legacy systems of, of the past, they're, they're all great. Um, they all serve a purpose. But as fraudsters are getting smarter, we need to use technology to outsmart them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, Sandra, what we, what we love about you and the Microsoft, uh, not just the technology, but the team, is that is that incredible, uh, I'll call it that critical mass, right, of knowledge experience and understanding of the problem right so so when we think about how, how do you understand what a merchant is going through exactly you're a merchant, right you have been a merchant you're probably one of the most massive merchants you probably have more data on transacting i don't even know you know you're just so massive with all of the the, the various products that microsoft sells so so what what does that mean for you when you think about Collaborating with your merchants. What what does that mean to Microsoft? I'm gonna I'm gonna push the questions back at you. <laughs> that's
2: okay. That's okay. It's really utilizing that consortium approach, like we said, right? So taking that data, but in a safe, compliant, GDPR manner, everything is de-identified, you know, one-way salted hashed. So we sit on top of Azure. So we have certain rules and protocols that we must follow as Microsoft, right? so when when we're when we're adding all those data points it's just not looking at the travel market or one airline in particular we're looking at everything from state and local governments to national governments to retailers gaming companies microsoft is customer zero you have a plethora of data that most people just don't know what to do with so it's important to have those experts those data scientists who are top in their field to really interpret that data and look for those patterns of fraud protection. And how can we prevent a chargeback from it even occurring in the first place? That transaction from even starting, you know, that whole 360 degree view is really important to the industry.
0: Yeah. All right, question
3: There's a question from the audience and it was for Jimin. It says um uh, Jimin, in a case where a customer is, makes a charge out just because they weren't able to use the services, for example, they're a no-show at the airport. They raise a charge back. The airline needs documentation to verify this. So, you know, how do they fight it with it if they can't raise the proper documentation? So this is an age-old question, but how do you recommend that uh, they handle such a situation?
1: Is is this a merchant saying that the customer purchased the ticket, there was a no-show and the customer wants a refund but filed a chargeback in, in the case? Yes. Well, I think it's very important. As I mentioned, chargebacks goes back to keeping compelling evidence, data and transparency of communication. I think right before the front end of the transaction, it's important to take note of metrics, right? Like how often has this consumer been coming onto my site to make a purchase? Is it within milliseconds? If that is the case, it might indicate that it's not a sincere purchase, it's a purchase meant to follow for a charge at a later stage. Um, what were the communications given to the customer? Was there email confirmation? Was there any terms and conditions that the customer had to indicate a tick or acknowledge before he could check out? Um, things like that would be very important for the airline to keep track of and to pro- to provide it to the card issuer or the bank at hand to really assess because when a customer can just say, hey, uh, it's fraud, but the truth is there was a no-show and I want my money back, but with all this evidence coming in, reminders sending in and you indicating that you acknowledge the receipt and you indicate that you acknowledge the terms and conditions, it greatly helps the merchant better prepare for chargebacks.
3: Excellent. So since we're getting towards the end of the hour, I'll give each one of you a final word, like one thing you want people to remember. Start with Sandra. So everything that you heard today, Sandra, what would you, what do you think people should take home with them?
2: I think that people are becoming more and more informed, as you said. That the credit card um, users are becoming more informed. So is so is the audience, right? So are we in the industry becoming more adept at at changing things and making sure that we have the most up-to-date tools. So so that would be my takeaway, is take a look at your tool, make sure you don't have to say chargebacks is just a cost of doing business, right? You you can mitigate that, and you can turn that into a revenue stream.
3: So, and I'll ask you, Harlan, but I'll make a comment. Uh, I, You said that uh, about changing regulations. I suspect that you guys know more about chargeback sometimes than the people in the card schemes themselves, because the card schemes are doing many things, right? So you're, you're specialized in this one aspect. I bet sometimes they call you for questions. I, I wouldn't doubt it. That That's that's my experience, but.
0: Uh, yes. Our COO has been on, I can't remember that it's a MasterCard uh, sort of advisory board. She's been on that for years. And, and so, yes, we, we help to, uh Inform and and uh, work with the card brands because in reality uh, you're right they do many other and this is a very you know niche you know sort of thing uh, if I may I just want to I want to piggyback on on something that uh, that jamin said about about uh, how to respond I think before you respond take a look a very close look at your processes right. Take a look at how your processes might actually be leading to chargebacks. And an example of that, before the pandemic, man, if you got a non-refundable ticket, you were sunk, right? You were absolutely sunk. What we've seen coming out of this pandemic is travel providers are giving more flexibility, right? They're, they realize that if we go into another shutdown, they may have to give money back. So they're 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 allowing for more booking flexibility, more like okay, yeah, this is non-refundable, but if you don't you cancel, then you've got a year to use this ticket, whatever it is, right? So I think I think being more consumer and cardholder centric will help you in these in these instances where there's you know uh, uh, an upset customer right just wanting a refund or couldn't make the flight or whatever that might be be more flexible look at your processes and then by all means either become an expert or hire one that's true for fraud that's true for chargebacks and that's all i gotta say
3: okay and uh jimin the final word uh, what what would you like people to remember from today
1: i think merchants in general they they feel afraid to reach out to third-party vendors either because they think that it's going to be a hefty sum to, to have these solutions or hey, I'm just going to go into a sales pitch but I think more importantly it should be a different approach The thinking should be I, I can rely on these people for information even as simple as coming onto our website, downloading reports, just asking the experts questions but not even engaging in any product. I think it helps to also get more awareness from the experts, how to better manage the chargeback. So I think the takeaway for me is do not afraid to reach out because you might end up benefiting way more from the knowledge than you expect.
3: And you you mentioned download the report. There it is. So everyone can download the report that you referred to today. Use that QR code and download the the chargebacks 911 report on chargebacks in the airline and travel industry. So with that, I'd like to thank, uh, Sandra, for coming in, stepping in out of the audience, and and especially to Harlan and Jimin for 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 sharing uh, with us today. And uh, we're, so, Thanks, we're, we'll see at a future webinar where we're, we'll be back in January with with more webinars. So see you all then, and uh, thank you, thank you to on nine one one, and the audience and Sandra, and uh, signing off. So we'll see you in, see you next
1: year. Thank you, everyone. Chris. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Yeah. Happy holidays.